With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. chapter Luke 10 verse 25 you will find a familiar passage you will find a familiar passage the good Samaritan you know that story 
Luke 10, verse 25. had found it, they said amen. amen. And it reads like this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pits and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Amen. Amen. Thus says the reading of the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my strength and my redeemer, it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I just want to talk for a few minutes about the Good Samaritan. About the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah. Church, we are living in a world today that I'm not quite sure that we understand what it means to love one another. I'm not quite sure we understand what, it, what we know what love looks like. Or even as a Christian, so-called Christian nation, how we ought to treat people. Look at what's happening on today. Our president is ordering 
that they round up children and mothers and people who coming over here to get a better life, not to be terrorists, not to rob and steal and kill, but to do the work that we won't do. Pick the apples. <laughs> Y'all with me? Go into the farm and took, plow the fields. Pick stuff that we don't want to pick. When, do you know anybody that pick apples in here? Or oranges? Do we know anybody that, that do, that we know a whole bunch that do what? Work on the, work on the, the um, freeway and the roads. We see a bunch of Hispanics out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me funny. Anytime you need work done at your house, I wish I had a prayer church. I, I wish I had a prayer church. You need work done at your house. Who you gonna call on? Don't, don't look at me funny. Y'all know I'm right. That's, that's the underbelly of our nation. You need your house cleaned? Who you gonna call? Come on now. And the problem is, church, is that we have, we, we have missed the boat on what we call welfare. Now, the farmers get welfare, but we don't call that welfare. We call that subsidies. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Now, if you're poor and need help, that's welfare. But if you're rich, and got land and money and stuff, and you need a little help with your taxes, that's called a subsidy. That's not welfare. It's okay to help those who, who are rich, but it's bad to help those who are in need. Our nation is messed up. We, we have a messed up nation. And, um, but the role of citizens, of Christianity, of humanity, is to take care of each other. That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and, and if it means that we do it through the government, that's okay with me in my book, because I pay taxes. You know, I was just telling me and my wife was, the other day, we were, when we first, you know, before we got Esperanza, in our midst, um, they told us that we had to to get legal guardian over Esperanza, or otherwise they were going to charge us a hundred dollars a day to put her in school. Now I said, wait a minute, I don't have no children in school, and I pay about nine thousand dollars a year in taxes. <laughs> You telling me I got to pay an additional $100 a day and I'm already paying taxes? They said, yes, sir. But you know, we did what we had to do. We got guardianship so that we didn't have to pay. But the point of it is that I'm paying taxes. I don't have nobody in school. So if you're going to use my money, 
I don't mind it being used to help somebody. Are y'all with me? Not to, not to pay somebody not to grow food. I wish I had a plan of churches here. We live in a world that's, that's flipped upside down, that's messed up. And if we don't learn how to love each other, we're going to find ourselves in a bad shape. We're going to find ourselves hating each other. So, so I wanted to talk about today this whole matter of who is our neighbor. I'm about this whole thing about the Good Samaritan. A neighbor, as defined by Webster, is one living or located near another. The word comes from two words, nigh meaning near and bore meaning dwell. However, just living near someone does not make one a neighbor. Y'all know that's right. We live in a time now when we don't even know our neighbors. You know I'm right about it. Matter of fact, we don't even know sometimes the person even sitting next to us. Let alone our neighbors who live next to us. And the Pharisees understood the word neighbor to be friends or and kinship, brethren by blood, neighbors by habitation, and persons of the same religion. But for Jesus, a neighbor is not simply a person that lives next door or across the street or the one you call a friend. He is not just someone of the same race, nationality, or religion, or anyone who is not considered your enemy. Jesus gives us a very different definition of a neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Jesus teaches us who our neighbors really are yes. and what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I forgot uh, to mention uh, that Deacon Ball is had surgery. And we want to pray for him as well. I know that's in the middle of my sermon, but I need to, because it hit me, so I need to, I need to say it while it's on my mind. Let's pray for Deacon Ball. But I, his wife tells me he's doing okay, but he, he's at home. He's at home. All right. Excellent. Yes. You know, I guess when you get to be a little bit older, when it hits you, you got to get it out. Because if you hold it, You remember it on the way home. <laughs> so, so I know I'm in the middle of my sermon. I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted the sermon, but it, it hit me. I had to get it out. So, so in our text today, we find one person, we find one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. A lawyer in this context would be one well-versed in the law of Moses. And the word test is not an assertion. Jesus' ability, but more of his faithfulness to the law. They were trying to see whether Jesus was going to be faithful to what he believed in. He was, however, trying to trick Jesus. And there is no doubt that he was also trying to draw attention to himself as later he tried to justify himself with another question, implying he was interested in more than just a simple answer to his question. So Jesus answers the question by pointing him back to the law. He says, go back to Luke 10, 26, in doing so, Jesus shows his own confidence in the law. So Jesus taught about the law. 
The lawyer replies with a proper understanding of what the law teaches about eternal life. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, both of which Jesus quoted in another occasion. And upon these two laws, one is to love God. Love God. And the other one is to love your neighbor. Like you love yourself. Now, we talked about that in some sense on the last time. You know, you, the reason why so many of us can't love anybody else because we don't love ourselves. We don't have the kind of respect that we need for ourselves. So it's hard for us to love somebody else. And you know what I'm right about it. If you don't like yourself, you're going to find it very difficult to extend that love towards somebody else. But Jesus says upon these two laws, the entire law has been based. And those living while the law was still in force could live under these two laws. You see, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the fact. First of all, you cannot say you love God who you have never seen and hate the people around you that you know every day or that you see every day. And that's what's so, that was so, that's what bothers me about what our nation is doing right now. How can we say that we love God but want to mistreat God's people? This is inconsistent with the doctrine of Jesus. But there was only one trouble with the lawyer's answer. See, nobody could ever follow the whole law. I don't care how much you try, I don't care how much you do it, you cannot do it. Nobody can. If you slip once, then you fail all of it. So Jesus put the problem squarely into the lawyer's hands. He says, of course, if he kept the law perfectly always, he would inherit eternal life. But the, but the lawyer is not finished. He says he wanted to justify himself even further. Perhaps he was embarrassed by the ease in which Jesus answered the question. See, sometimes people don't like a, good, a straight answer. You know, have you ever had a guy a fight with somebody? And if you were wrong, you messed up, you and he said, yes, I did wrong. That throws him off. What you mean? I want to fight. No, I ain't no fight. I did wrong. You right. You can't accept being right for an answer. Well, well, that's what they did. You know, he was right, but he couldn't accept that, that simple answer. So the lawyer begins to ask, then who is my neighbor? He want to get technical. Who is my neighbor then, Lord? Love my neighbor as myself, then who's my neighbor? And it was this question that precipitates the parable. If you don't understand the answer to this question, then our theology will be off. So Jesus tells the story of a man who travels from Jerusalem into Jericho. Let me tell you something. Today, I'm not talking about 2,000 years ago. Today, when you drive to Jericho, there is a sign on the road to Jericho. Today, I'm not talking about 2,000 years ago, I'm talking about today, that the Israelis put up. 
that says, if you go beyond this point, we cannot be responsible for you. Dead sea, the Dead Sea is the, is the lowest point in the world. The Dead Sea don't move. The water don't move. And you know if water don't move, it gets stale. It starts stinking. But this water don't do that, but it don't move. It doesn't go anywhere. It's got lots of salt down there. And it's hot. <laughs> we were in the middle of December. When I went, you know, to, to you know to Israel, in the middle of December, I had to take off my jacket because it was so hot. In the middle of December, in Jericho, it was hot. So, so the distance between Jerusalem and Jericho is about twenty miles, and the road is dangerous. It's known as the way of blood because of the robbers on their attack. The Bible records that he was stripped of his clothes and wounded. Now, to put it in context, this is what I always do. I know people try to get a little bit uh, upset when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. But going to Jericho was like, in, in some sense, going through Barry Forms at night. I wish I hadn't prayed in church. <laughs> I wish, I wish I had a prayer church up here. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all get the point. Some of y'all don't even want to be in Barry Farms at a certain hour. You know. <laughs> I know y'all. Just, just pray for me. See, if I was in D.C., I would use third. I mean, if I was in Houston, I would use third ward and some other places, you know. But everybody got them places where it's a little bit dangerous for even us to go through. I wish I had a prayer check up in here. Uh, <laughs> but you get the point. The Bible says that they were stripped of his clothes and he was wounded and left for dead. And we are told that, that two people passed by. The first was considered to be a religious elite at the time in Israel. And, you know, so you got this, you got this priest, and you got this Levi, uh, Levi. And finally, a Samaritan comes by and shows compassion. The Samaritan bandages up the wounds, applying oil and wine as first aid in those in those days. He puts the wound, a wounded man, on his own animal and takes him to an inn and gives the innkeeper two denarii, that's two days wages. Two days wages to provide care. And if anything costs, he said, I'll pay you when I get back. Then Jesus poses the question, which of these three men proved to be your neighbor? The lawyer replies the obvious answer. He is, the, he is who showed mercy on the, the wounded man. So Jesus then admonishes the lawyer to do likewise. Now notice Jesus returned the focus to the original question, who is my neighbor? Now, who was the one that was the neighbor to the one in need? That's a different way of asking the question. 
This would indicate that Jesus wanted to draw attention to what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. The Savior is trying to convince the lawyer who put the question to him, who is my neighbor? And so these are, there, there are three relevant traits of a neighbor that can be identified in this parable. First of all, a neighbor is one who recognizes needed conditions. That is, he opens his eyes. Listen to me, church, in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him. Notice the three persons are described here. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Priests served in the temple. Their highest duty was to offer sacrifices. Levites assisted in the maintenance of the temple. Services in order. The story is focused on the acts of the Samaritan. The Samaritans were despised. They were descendants of those who were imported at the time at the Assyrian captivity. They were a mix, they were of mixed inheritance. And listen to the church, they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. They didn't, they didn't want to deal with Psalms. They didn't want to deal with Job. They didn't want to deal with first and second Kings or first and second Chronicles. None of that stuff. That, 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 Micah, Jeremiah, all that stuff. They don't want to hear that. First five books of the Bible, that's all they believed. That was it. It has been suggested that the priest and the Levite refrained from helping the man because, the peer, because he appeared to be dead and they feared ritual de, uh, defilement. You're not supposed to touch anybody dead in the Jewish faith if you're a Levite, if you're a priest. Um, but here's the problem. The text says that they were coming from Jerusalem not going up to Jerusalem. In other words, they weren't on their way to worship. They had already did the worship and was on their way back from worship. So which means that they could have helped if they wanted to. And you know that God, we got so many religious people like that. You, 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 you're on your way to church and you ain't got time to stop and help. I, I was talking to some, some, some preachers. I think I said this to you before. I was talking to some preachers. And they were talking, talking about how when they come to church, people want to stop and talk to them and ask them about different things in their lives. They, and they, they, they would tell me, I, I can't talk. I got to go. I said, something wrong with you. You don't know why people want to stop and talk to you. Now, you need to find out what they want first. Find out whether you can help them on the spot. And if you can't, then you say to them, let's talk later. But you don't just tell somebody, no, I can't talk right now, I'm on my way. I gotta get it, I gotta get in service. And get in service and do what? We do the same thing. We rush here and we and we miss the people on the way that God wants us to see. I, I, I'm gonna keep preaching because I ain't gonna get no amens. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preach preach by myself. I'm gonna keep preaching. I'm going to go to preach by myself. The text says that all the, all the men, all the men but the Samaritan had a different reaction. 
The priest had a different reaction. Text says he walked on the other side. He didn't want to be bothered. And then you got the Levite. The Levite at least went and looked at him. But didn't understand his condition. Wouldn't even go further to even discover what his condition was. And left. Sometimes we do the same thing. We'll at least look. But we ain't going to do nothing. Got the other group that won't do nothing. Just, just go on the other side. And here, and here the, the Bible says that a certain man was a Jew, that is a fellow yokeman, and a Levite was a strength. The Levite and the, the other man, the Levite and the, 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 the man was a stranger to the Levite and the priest. But the Samaritan did not notice race. He didn't notice nationality. He didn't notice religion or political party. And notice he did not know the man, how the man got in his condition. Too many of us, we want to find out why you're in the condition before we help you. You don't know what, you don't know what happened to people sometimes. And it's not our duty to find out what happened to them, how they got there. Maybe they got on drugs, maybe they mentally ill, whatever the issue is, I don't know. Maybe they went to war and PTSD, you know, messed them up because they saw so many people die. You don't know what happened to people. Maybe they got molested as a child and could never overcome that. You don't know what happened to people. But quit trying to find out what happened and find out how you can help them where they are. He did not ascertain from the man whether he was doing something that got him in that condition. We won't, because if it was if, if it was drunk and got beat up, maybe we said maybe he deserved it. He shouldn't have got drunk. If she was wearing something that was too revealing, maybe we should say she deserved it because she should have had on the right clothes. I wish I had a praying church every day. If he had a lifestyle we didn't approve, then maybe they deserved the consequences. You know, maybe somebody is a homosexual and we don't like their, we don't like their, their lifestyle. So we're going to condemn them. To whatever happens to them. I'm going to tell you now, church, I done got to the point I'm not going to condemn people because I don't agree with their lifestyle. There's a whole lot of folks whose lifestyles I don't agree with. But that don't stop me from loving them. I'm not going to stop loving my, my nephew and my other folk who I know, my own kin people, because they're homosexuals. Better check yourself. You got some issues too. Now, what if somebody stop loving you because you wearing polyester clothes? That's against the law. We pick and choose our what we gonna hate. But we, what we better learn to do is to start loving people from where they are. 
He does not concern himself with how he got there, but notice the man's condition. His condition, first of all, was that he had fell among thieves. Now I call that insurance companies. <laughs> Try to take all your money. He was stripped of his raiment. His money was gone. Broke. He was wounded. That means he had a preconditioned need. <laughs> you want to talk about it. And he was left half dead. How many of us, at some point in our lives, have fallen? Were stripped and wounded and left by the wayside with no one to care for or to love us? Have you ever been, have you ever felt like that? Notice the Samaritan simply opens his eyes to the man's condition. He moves beyond simply talking and moves with empathy. The church cannot simply keep its, its church work. But we must be about the work of the church. The priest and Levite represents those who are engaged in church work, but who do nothing in terms of doing the work of the church. Jesus reminds us that every person in misery is the object of his mercy, is our neighbor, and is capable of our charity. Ministry comes out of the need we see in the community. That everyone is and ought to be accounted as our neighbor, to whom God affords an opportunity of doing good. A neighbor is one who recognizes needy conditions. That is, he opens up his eyes. And secondly, church, a neighbor is one who releases needy compassion. That is, he opens up his heart. You can see, but if you're not, but if you're not moved, ain't nothing gonna happen. Verse 33, the text says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Had compassion implies a deep feeling of sympathy, a striking response that stands in contrast, not only to the attitude of the priest and the Levite, but also to the usual feelings of hostility between Jews and Samaritans. Perhaps the priest and the Levite had too much to do at the temple, to act as on the part of this man. You know, sometimes being too religious will kill your common humanity. When we see people in need, we need to get out of our religious ideas and help people. See, here's what I, here's what I discovered. People cannot see Jesus if they're hungry. They see people responding like Jesus, but they can't see Jesus, they can't hear. When you're hungry, you need, to, you need a helping hand. Somebody said, well, I'll pray for you. Well, you know, thank you for your prayer, but my stomach is still hungry. I need some help. And that's why I'm trying to move us to this, you know, to this packages. 
that if we on the street and we got the packages in our car, we can hand it to the person right there on the spot. Are y'all with me? Compassion is a great gospel duty. It must be hearty and practical. When we see a man in distress or a woman in distress, we must not pass by like the priest and the Levite did. We must let our compassion flow out of us. See, here's, here's the question, church. God won't ask you what kind of car you drove when you get to heaven. But he will ask how many people you drove in that car. God won't ask you what the square footage of your house will be. But he will ask you how many people you welcome into your house. God won't ask you about the fancy clothes you had in your closet. But he will ask you how many of those clothes helped the needy. God won't ask you how many material possessions you had. But he will ask you if they, if they, if they dictated your life. God won't ask you what the highest salary you made. But he will ask you, did it compromise your character in obtaining that salary? God won't ask you how much overtime you work, but he will ask you if you work overtime for your family and for your loved ones. God won't ask you how many proportions you receive or promotions you receive. He will ask you how many people you promoted. That's the kind of God we serve. God won't ask you what kind of neighborhood you live in. But how did you treat your neighbors? The Samaritan opened his heart, opened his eyes, and he opened his heart. Church, we got to have compassion. So not only is the one who opens his eyes and the one who opens his heart, but a neighbor is one who responds with capital. <laughs> Can't get no amens. He recognizes conditions, he releases compassion, and he responds with capital. Look what the text says. That is, he opens up his purse. 34 says, and he went to him and bound him up with wounds, um, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, he departed, he took off two pence, and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Jesus reminds us that real ministry and love requires an active, operative thing. It consists not only not just in good works given to the distressed, nor just in compassion beholding of them, nor just in pitiful mourning over them, but also in positive acts toward kindness toward them. You gotta do something. First, the Samaritan went to him. How many times are we afraid of just approaching people who are in need? And listen to me, church. Here is the issue the people on that trail were tricksters. In other words, they would act like they wounded, and then when you would come, they would stick you up. So you didn't know who the guy was. You didn't know he was playing games or what. But this guy took a chance. Second of the Samaritan, his compassion translated into sacrificial action. Samaritan probably used pieces of his own clothing to make 
the bandages. He used his own wine as a disinfectant and his own oil as a soothing lotion. He put the man on his own donkey as an ambulance and paid the innkeeper out of his own pocket with a promise to pay more if needed. Listen, and then he spent the time with the man, the text says, and on tomorrow when he departed, which implies he gave up his own time. Listen, ministry may be costly. It may cost you clothes, wine, oil, transportation, money, and sacrifice of time. We ought to do this because Jesus did it. Aren't you glad Jesus saw us? When the world could not really see us, Jesus saw us. I'm not talking about fake pain and phony hurt. I'm talking about the pain that's so deep you really can't tell anybody about it. Pain that, that's so deep it hurts even thinking about it. But Jesus saw us when nobody else could see us. Jesus saw us. Love lifted me. I was seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stayed within. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And love lifted me. Give God some praise, sir. Give him praise. Aren't you glad he lifted you? Aren't you glad Jesus saw you? Had compassion. And gave his life for us. He died on yonder's cross. But the good news is he rose with all power in his hands. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Thank you, Lord. That's Jesus' story. He saw us wounded in need. He had compassion on us. And then he used his own life to save us. And the good news is the text says that when he returns... <laughs> in other words he's coming back again he's coming back again to get us he's going to repay will you with me there will you stand with me today church there might be somebody on the YouTube today who heard the word of God if you're here we invite you to pray this prayer and invite God into your life Heavenly Father I am a sinner I've sinned against you. But I ask for forgiveness. And I ask you to make me one of your children. If you do so, Lord, I'll be so forever grateful. And will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are saved. And we invite you to come be a part of our experience. There might be somebody here in the house today who also prayed that prayer, who needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you're here, we invite you to come. There might be others here today who need a church home. You don't have a church home, and you need to have Christ in your life. If you're here, we invite you to come. And then thirdly, those who need prayer, we invite you to come and stand around the altar that we can pray with you.
Gracious God, we come to you today thanking you for your goodness and your mercy. You are the only living and true God. And before you, there is no other. We give you the praise today, oh God. We lift you up because you've been so good to us. You woke us up in our right minds. You put clothes on our backs and shoes on our feet. And you provided for us, oh God. So we give you the praise. We come today, oh God, because you said we could bring all of our cares and our concerns. So we come. We come, oh God, with our heads bowed down. We come, oh God, with our eyes closed. We come, oh God, because we need you right now. First of all, God, we lift up Deacon Ball, Sister Cynthia Black, Sister Margie Edwards. We give them to you today, oh God. We ask that you would give them speedy recovery. And then, Heavenly Father, those who are standing around the altar, you know their issues today. You know what they are in need of. So, oh God, we ask that you would touch right now in the name of Jesus. Touch each one of them. Today, I ask you to help me with this prayer. Turn to somebody next to you. Ask them their name. Ask them their name on your right and on your left. Now what I want you to do is to pray for that person. Tell the Lord that you want to give them a breakthrough. Tell the Lord you want to give them a breakthrough. You want whatever that will clear their lives. Whatever pain that they're going through. Whatever heartache that's challenging them. Whatever financial issues that's, 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 that's binding them. Ask, oh God, to loose them right now. To loose his love to them. To give them a breakthrough. To let them know that God loves them. To know that there's still hope for tomorrow. Tell the Lord that, you, that, 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 that they need you right now. Tell the Lord to give them a breakthrough. The breakthrough is on the way. Oh God, thank you now. Thank you for these prayers. Thank you for the people, oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We lift up our government officials. We lift up the military. We lift up all of those persons, Lord, that we are duty-bound to pray for. We give you the praise today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Give God some praise, church. He is worthy to be praised.
sweet communion of his Holy Spirit. Rest, rule, and abide with each of us until we meet again. Let the church respond. Amen. Go in peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.